Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Worker Report. This is episode 26 and you're joining us the day after the Burnley match. I mean it might not be the day after when you listen to it but yeah it's forever going to be after the Burnley match. It's post Burnley. Now we didn't lose this match and a lot of people are upset regardless. Me personally considering we did the best of the immediate relegation rivals out of the weekend we got a point so that's one thing. But yeah a lot of people still aren't happy because the way we well, the way we didn't play. But yeah, before I go too deeply into that, I'm joined uh, once again by James. How are you doing, James? I'm all right, mate. All right. James is good regardless. Callum, how are you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm all right. I'm all, all right, right. Demo, yeah. Not too bad. What about you, Tom? Yeah, I'm good. Good. Sweet. Good times. Well, let me start with James then. How did you feel about the Burnley game, mate? What are your opinions? What are your thoughts? I was a bit, a bit annoyed, really, because let's be honest, the point's no good. We needed a win and we didn't win. Um, it was a decent decent enough performance overall. I mean, we were fairly solid defensively. And on another day, we, we probably could have won if it wasn't for some terrible finishing. I mean, Jones misses a absolute sitter. Um, and it's just typical that none of the chances seem to fall to Defoe. Um, great save by Pickers late on. Um, really could have it's kind of sh- uh, saved a few blushes, I think. First half, we were... It was so dull, the first half. I mean, other than a, you know... Uh, a pot shot half-assed attempt by Gibson out from outside the box. There, there was nothing to really speak about. We were much better in the second, but you know it was a bit too too late, and it kind of sums up Moyes' tenure in a way. Where you know we have played decently in spells, but we're just unable to perform for more than just spells in games. Um, the decision not to play Didier and Dong is 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 absolutely baffling to me, uh, even now. I mean, how you can leave out our most effective and energetic midfielder is just simply horrendous. And I think that was one of the main reasons why it's cost us two points. His energy when he came on pushed us upfield. Um, and it's just, it's just, we're used to this. It's the hope that kills you, isn't it? Um, with the hope being founded on possibilities. But under Moyes, it just seems to have changed. <clears throat> we're realistic. You know, we we don't expect too much, do we? But we want to go to the match hoping of a bit of entertainment and a team that we can be proud of. And at the present moment, I don't think we have either. Um, we're bottom of the league. We're a team who be who seem incapable of improving. A manager who you know doesn't appear to be able to impact a game positively at all. And it's just kind of sucked the joy out of supporting Sunderland at the moment. Yes, the club's Something in massive... Something you said there, sorry to cut you off. Something you said there about um, expecting a bit of joy, a bit of uh, excitement from the game. Do you feel mm. that's something that we can rightly expect at this stage? Do you think yeah, that that's a bit too much fo- to ask for, maybe? Or should we be happy that we got a point? No, because we're fo- as football fans, you, we want to we want to be entertained and we want to have a team we're proud of. And I, I genuinely, we don't think we have either. We very we've got a bit of entertainment in the second half, but that first half was dire. Mm. Um, I mean, let's be honest. Yes, the club's got massive debt, uh, and this does dictate his signings. And yes, he's had some rotten luck with injuries, but just I think just the way that he's managed the resources at his disposal has just been so poor. His Mismanaged. stubbornness. Yeah, it's stubbornness with selection and reluctance to sign players who you know who he doesn't know or who are from outside the UK is going to send us down. 
you know, he's not 100% to blame here. The owner has a duty of care to the club, and he's probably neglected that. But as he's previ- as I've previously said, he, he just hasn't done well enough with the resources at his disposal. I mean, the apathy around the club is just is dangerous, in my opinion. You can just feel it. It's everywhere. The acceptance of relegation, that's just not good enough. What, why should we accept relegation? Yes, we have to stick by a manager. Yes, we need, and we all know we need to rebuild, but I just can't see David Moyes being that manager, and I can't see him being the one who's going to turn this round. It just, it, a point wasn't the worst result in the world by any stretch, but it's the fact that, you know, he waited until 70 odd minutes to bring Didier and Dong on. Um, Kazri got a little bit longer than he usually would, and he, he looked okay. I mean, he's, he just looks completely shot as a footballer, and that's just another example of poor man management from the manager, in my opinion. Mm. So, would you think? Do you think it's fair to say that we, um, yeah, that he he perhaps came into this job expecting, as we've uh, as we've previously speculated, <clears throat> that he came into this job expecting relegation, and as opposed to preparing some sort of defence, as his predecessors did, he's uh, well. Buying for the future, as it were. I mean, that—that's certainly a—it's—it's it's a suspicion of mine. Yeah, yeah. I it just, I'm just, I'm just kind of, I'm sick of his excuses. I think he made massive mistakes at the start with being so negative, and at times he's might may have tried to be a bit more positive, but I just think his signings have been dire. These, the the injury record's an interesting one because speaking to a few of my mates, it's. Can't I mean? Surely there's there's got to be some underlying factor here, you know. It can't just be bad luck, mm-hmm. you know. To me, to me anyway, it, it can't just be all bad luck. There must be something they're doing in training which I is mean, different. Yeah, well, but we I mean, touch, we can touch more on Moyes uh, a little bit later on, and indeed we will. We have to. I think we all we all mm-hmm. really need to. We've got that pen out. But um, yeah, more on the Burnley game though specifically. Callum, what do you make yeah. of it, buddy? Uh. It was, you know, a very dour, disappointing game. I mean, I think the result was probably fair. Um, I, you know, I think both teams missed chances. It was very scrappy. Burnley didn't really let us play. They were clearly quite happy to take the draw because, given their position, they know they've got a few a run of a few home games coming up, and and uh, and and they can they can take a point into their home games and and look to to uh, to win those, and you know. So really, they were—you could tell in the last ten minutes that they weren't really interested in necessarily going out to win it. Um, and and from what Moyes said at the end of the game, you would have you would have thought that uh, that that what we'd seen was a team that had really gone all out to win it and save the last sort of you know fifteen, ten, fifteen minutes where Undong and Kasri come on and and we get a little bit of energy, a little bit of purpose. Um, you know, it was very. It was a very stop start, you know, a few chances, you know, a couple of really good chances, but individual errors, you know, poor finishing. And and Burnley know that if you isolate Defoe and you, you don't give him a chance, you, you're probably at least going to get a draw from the game because we don't score unless Defoe scores or at least Defoe's involved. Um, and Defoe was, was, was heavily marked during that game. And and you know the results are, are, are there to see. I mean, um, you know, there were a few positives. I thought Rodwell did quite well on his return to the side. Um, he didn't he didn't have a bad game. I thought he he looked quite tidy. He had a bit of bite about him. Um, you know, he he seemed to sort of want to get stuck in. Um, but you know, again, I think Oviedo had a bit of a shocker. Um, Danea was really poor. Um, he doesn't seem to to read the game particularly well, and he doesn't seem to have the height or the spring for a, a, a good centre back to sort of jump and win the ball. And, and Gray gave him the run around particularly in the in the first half, and and it's a good thing he's got reasonable pace because he was you know being bailed out of a few situations of his own making, and so having him as the last line of defence is is a little bit worrying um, as well. And obviously when O'Shea picked up the injury. Moyes still didn't want to bring Gillibodji on, and that probably tells you what you need to know about uh, 
how much David Moyes would trust Jilabodji going into 10 minutes of nil-nil mm. against Burnley. So, you know, all in all, I think... <laughs> it's damning when you talk like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a risk to leave O'Shea on because he was hobbling, he didn't look comfortable, he looked like he couldn't pivot. Um, you know, especially with O'Shea's age and his injury history, it was a risk. And, you know, the international break might have come at a good time in that sense. Hopefully, Kone will be back and, and O'Shea won't be won't be ruled out because... Uh, a centre-back pairing of Gillibodji and Denea, um would have been interesting, um, to say the least. But yeah, just a disappointing game. Um, Burnley looked quite solid. We looked like we might give them a chance any minute. They didn't really look like they would give us chances. When we, got, when we had a chance, we maybe earned it a little bit. Um, they, but, but their chances, they, we just looked like we were going to give them one. And, and we did right at the end. And obviously Pickford made a really good save. So, Fantastic um, save. yeah. But, uh, but you know, just disappointing, really disappointing. And, and, interesting. Yeah, two points dropped. I was going to say, interesting about Rodwell, though, because obviously I've been his biggest critic. I, I, I agree with Callum. I thought he played quite well. He did. But he had, like, he, d- he did look a bit more impact, didn't he, uh, in the middle of the park than he usually does. Mm. I think one thing I seem to, well, I think one thing I notice is I think the coaching staff and, and the manager in particular, they do a lot of encouraging when it comes to Jack Rodwell. I think, though, you know, when he does something good you can see his I think teammates around him and, and the guys on the bench seem to make more Yay. of a deal of it I think he's such a <laughs> he's confidence <swaddled>. player <laughs> yeah he's such a confidence player that you need that well and if I they've think... tried everything else and, and that's all there is left to try with him then why not yeah uh, what about you I mean, Tom Tom what do you make of the match um pretty much agree with what we've been said it was it was quite disappointing um it's one of the, um, it was the first time I've been to the stadium line for uh, a while I don't get so many home games I've mainly do the away ones uh, but one of the most striking things uh, walking into the ground of how dead it was. I mean, there's 40,000 people there, but it just felt so flat walking in. Uh, there was no kind of that, you know, that anticipation of looking forward to a game. No matter, like, what kind of run you're in, you're, you usually have some kind of, like, oh, well, maybe maybe today today will be different. And then we got served up that 45 minutes of complete utter boredom. Um and nothing, nothing really, nothing really changed. It was, it Burnley strikes, uh, Burnley are a team that sadly are just much more better, much better than us, and they've been in the Premier League ten months. And it's it's striking that the, the contrast between um, their their manager and ours. Our, like Daish was on the, I don't think he ever left his uh, technical area, barking instructions. Uh, giving encouragement and all this, whereas Moyes, you know, slinks back to his chair, sends out uh, Stockdale or Bracewell. And Burnley, towards the end, looked like the only team that actually wanted to win it. It, I was in the, the northwest corner, so you're kind of, like, online with the, the dugouts, like, down the line. And when Dyche, uh, Dyche brought on uh, Vokes to put, give him a 4-4-2, mm-hmm. so he's thinking, right, I want to win this now. And the thing, the first thing that Moyes did was send Gillibodji out to warm up. And as as Callum as Callum mentioned, I wasn't I wasn't really aware that um, John O'Shea was hobbling because of the other end of the pitch. But it just kind of struck me as why why aren't you making these substitutions? Why aren't we trying to win this game? You've got attackers on the bench, so why don't we try and win this game? Burnley don't really need to win this. If they lose this, then. It's not. It's going to be disappointing for them, but it's not going to be, uh, you know, a complete disaster. They've got, they've accumulated so many points that they'll be fine. It's like why? Aren't, why aren't we doing it? Why don't you just roll the dice? Yeah. If we get beat, you get beat. But at least you look like you tried. We tried to win it, and the only the only time, and then it got to about seventy five minutes, and we think, oh well, I guess I must have to. <laughs> Larson again for like the millionth time this season he just looks so done and when the first substitution was uh, he brought off Gibson Gibson again not great but just take Larson off because he's dying out there and all the play, all the fans know he's dying out there he probably knows he's dying himself and just to keep <laughs> persisting with this <laughs> this player it's just like you feel sorry for him in a way because it's like you know you're knackered but he's just been made to do this stupid job. And then when we do put an attacker on, who he, he hates, uh, he puts through a chance within about 30 seconds. Oh, it wasn't the right way to pass. But at least it looked like something that was an opening. And for the love of God, Billy Jones, 
God, it just sums <laughs> so everything up. It's it's like like uh, James mentioned. It's like it's unfortunate. It, it uh, one of our chances didn't fall to Defoe. It's like no, it shouldn't be just Defoe who can head a ball yeah. into the into a net. It, it can't like the other teams have more than one player who can score goals, and that's a, like normally what keeps them up. We can't just have one player who scores goals. It has to be spread out. And how can you miss from six yards out the goal? You, well, I know how you can because you're Billy Jones and crap. <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't the end of the world the result. But seven points adrift now. I think start shutting up shot, the lads, because uh, we're going to Blackburn next year. <laughs> well, yeah, you say. I mean, I completely agree with you on Larson. He, he. I think you summed up there. He just looks done. He looks finished. What, whatever he had, it, it looks like it's got. I mean, as I've said before, the only thing that I really admire about Seb Larson anymore is the little Macam twang that he has in his accent when he speaks that he's just picked, <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't know, I don't know whether he puts it on or whether he's picked it up but for me and his, his gorgeous blue eyes as well he's got those ice cold Nordic blues he's dreamy yeah you gotta love it <laughs> yeah straight out of Vikings but um, no if we're talking about the selection though you were saying about Jack Rodwell earlier James well yeah what about him well I, I said he he, he he was decent, Lodders. He, you know, he's probably one of his be- one of his better games. I mean, he didn't have a lot to do. I mean, I don't think Burnley have a great deal in the centre of midfield, so it wasn't like it's quite, probably quite a comfortable game for him. But when you do have, it's quite a slow midfield, isn't it? When you've got Larson, Gibson, and Rodwell. Um, I mean, Larson, as we've just covered, it obviously wasn't the best. He, he did actually provide a couple of moments of quality. I mean, he obviously the ball for Jones's miss was absolutely superb, and that was. That was probably the best thing he's done all season. That was that old the the Seb Larson of old. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a real, really, a really, really decent ball. Um, but he did miss. He missed. He missed. Also missed a really good, a really good chance from about six yards out, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Um, I just you think we just look so much better when Andong came on because he's just he's so much he's so much faster. He's so much fitter. Um, he's just quicker to the ball um, and and just that that increased impetus just seemed to push us on a little bit. And you think, I just, I, it beggars belief why he didn't start the game, really. You know, I well, have no a, idea. That's, yeah, that's the critical thing. I mean, mm. when, you when you know, he's been saying he doesn't have options. He's been saying he's, he's light in midfield and, and he's been, you know, it's been like a broken record for months. And then, you know, he's got, he's got Gibson, he's got Rodwell, he's got Larson, uh, and then and, and then he's got Ndong. Obviously, Rodwell's just come back. And you think, right, so now you've got Gibson, Rodwell and Ndong, three central midfielders, three midfielders who you know that's their position, and they're you know they they've they they they've never been wide men before, you know they've never been set piece specialists, they haven't been shoehorned into midfield at the, when their legs have gone and they can't play properly on the wing. They are central midfielders, and so what does he do? He drops Ndong and continues with Larson. You think, well, now you see you've had options and you've shown us that you've made the wrong choice. Um, and that, for me, is the is is the key part. Where um, first thing I I thought when I saw that midfield, I thought no legs. There's no legs in that midfield at all. I mean, say what you like about Patrick van Arnholt, but when when he left, we lost the kind of the outlet that you know gets the ball quite deep and drives forward quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, Oviedo hasn't really replaced that. Like I said, he misplaced a lot of passes yesterday. He was quite. Poor. He doesn't look as quick as I'd heard he was, but mm. um, He's better defensively than Van Aert. Yeah, I think oh, that's yeah, for sure. yeah. Defensively, he was fine yesterday. I didn't really have any complaints, but um, but because we've lost what Van Aert gave us in that sense, you'd think that Undong sort of marauding. You know, he's 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 got a bit of energy. He can he can push forward um, and and win the ball back in advanced positions. You know, go, go on the front foot and 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 press. And and put teams under pressure and win the ball higher up the pitch, like he did at Crystal Palace. You know, one mistake, one loose touch, and he's on you. Whereas with the other three, I wouldn't say that, that that's something that they can really offer. And and um, and so I thought it was quite. It was a, just a negative choice, and it was a bizarre choice, particularly considering. I mean, our you know our friend and colleague uh, Rory Fallow said um, on Twitter he criticised Kazri and says doesn't retain the ball enough. Um, that's why he's not playing him. And then Nong, who statistically has been one of our better passers and, and best retainers of the ball, is dropped. 
Um, it it just it smacks of a rather of a, of a man who who really is just frantically searching and and doesn't really know uh, what his best team is. But we're we're our next game's April. You know, we're nearly yeah. we're in April now, basically. Mm. Um, and he still doesn't know his best team. I would submit that he's had long enough to be able to make the decision that Ndong would have been a better choice yesterday than last. And that seems to me yeah. to be a quite a simple decision. Mm. Yeah, so. it did. It, it, so you're right, because it, it did seem like he was almost rolling the dice. It's like, oh, please, this work. Maybe I'll stumble across something that will finally will all click into place. When, it, you know, it, was just, it just seemed to be just the, the wrong choice and another wrong choice. I don't know what's happened to Lyndon Gooch. I mean... Where, oh, where's God, he gone? Absolutely. I mean, he's he's surely he offers more than what Seb Larson can offer. Mm. Just because we lack, we just we lack pace. We really lack pace in that team. It's as soon like, as it's not like he lack. has any kind of argument uh, for discounting youth when you consider some of mm. the transfers he brought in. Exactly you know, right. Exactly bring, right. I mean, the lack of and love and and Dong himself, all young players. Well, the start of the season, he was he was spouting on about how he wanted to build this young hungry team mm. and then he bought Pina <laughs> and then he he won't stop playing Larson even though every man and his dog can see that the lad's finished mm. I mean I like Seb Larson I think he's been quite good for us since uh, Bruce bought him but he's, he's done it's like I don't I, I'm baffled as well about why Lyndon Gooch is not playing um, in, at this point in the season why not play him I mean what? how bad could he be like how worse could it be? We're, tw- yeah. we're bottom of the league with twenty points. It's April and we've got twenty points. It's like and he thinks we're going to win five more games. He thinks we're going to get five wins and three draws. No chance. Absolutely yeah. no chance. Again, it, it leads you to wonder and question whether or not he truly believes that, doesn't it? Because and I, I don't want to keep going back to this conspiracy theory, but we are going to actually do a, a sort of another bumper special for you next week. Uh, along these sort of lines, exploring these things while while we've got the break, and since we're so close to the end anyway. But just as a brief taster, we've said before, when he came in, I mean, what was it, his second day, second game day, and he was talking about relegation. Do you know what I mean? Right at the very beginning. I mean, fair enough, it would make sense for the media to throw him a question. Do you think you can do what these other managers have failed to do and stabilise the club? I would have expected a decent answer for that, and a straight answer. But even then, he was he was cagey about it. Even when he was questioned about what he was going to do, if he was going to bring the stability to the club that the fans were truly calling out for, and supposedly that Sunderland really needs. When I, that's that's neither here nor there for me. Was he not still hesitant to say yes? I, I don't remember him ever once being confident. I don't remember him saying we're going to do this. I don't remember him we're, saying anything like no, that. I remember him saying specifically, mm-hmm. like, "Well, I'll try." And that's what it is from him. It's ultra. But, it, but it's it's not even like the first two games were were catastrophically bad. I mean, mm. I, the first the first game is an away game at Man City, which you write off anyway. Let's be honest. And we I were mean, good then. You, we, were good yeah, we almost yeah, got and, a point. We, and we and we almost got a point. So you think right? Well, that's not that's not the end of the world. That's not got me feeling down in the dumps. Mm. And then the next game, fair enough. Like Middlesbrough race into a two goal lead in the second half. We have a bit of energy. We pull a goal back. Yeah. It, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's two one home loss. Yeah. Like it's not like we've been battered like four nil in both games. Mm. And and he's he mentions relegation and like you know no one kind of mentions that. This and and sort and, and, and sort of this... says the, the the circumstances in which he said these things. Now it seems perfectly reasonable to say it, but back then, why? Just why would you? Exactly, that's, that's and question. that, that yeah. question exactly is my point. Like, is it not? See, well, I won't say obvious, but is it not looking increasingly likely and more probable that his remit was never to keep us in this league, and he was never promised the sort of funding that would have been required? to keep us in this league and that would answer why he didn't have the sort of scouting network set up in both transfer windows to account for that to to push forward I mean we've said again infamously now about the whole Ajoa thing that he's imagine turning Leonardo Ajoa into a transfer saga do you know what I mean that's just ridiculous in itself to the point where the bloke wants to come here he wants to leave Leicester I mean he's, he's not getting a look in now he wants to leave Leicester to come to Sunderland and then they turn him, they turn you down for your flat out ridiculous fee of what ten million or something stupid like that they were supposed to be, and you have no one to back that up. You have no plan B. To me, that reeks of a like, oh well, I'll try and get him if I can get him on the dirt but, cheap. 
Yeah, not only that though, Ajoa is what thirty. Exactly. Is he? Yeah. It, like, what, what happened to this 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 plan? I was I was hearing about about mm. youth and, and like what like what we were saying about Gooch. I'd rather see what Lyndon Gooch can do in central midfield than. Uh, Larson or Pienaar or I've, I've seen I've seen you know we've even seen Donald Love pressed into service in central midfield this season mm. so what would be bad I mean George Honeyman as well roundly it's said he's what 23 he's out of contract at the end of the season in all likelihood he won't be playing his football with us next season mm. why is he on the bench and Gooch isn't why I, I, it, it genuinely baffles me how this plan is so inconsistent and so opaque and it's inconsistently applied and yet everyone keeps going on about it like this it's this tangible thing that we know exactly what he's doing like oh well at least we can see the building blocks at least we can see what he's trying to do i heard something at the beginning of the season about what he was trying to do and since then it's been a mishmash of i don't know what mm, that's yeah. that's what really bothers me is people cling to this plan like it's their favorite toy and and don't sort of critically look at it and think, well, where is this plan? This is it yeah, as well. It, and we're, we're talking about that on that note. Like I've said in the notes, obviously about this, but Sunderland fans, are we are we shamed by this? Do we shame each other by complaining, by not having this sort of stiff upper lip? Get on with it. That's just your lot in life attitude. What would you make of that, Tom? Uh, yeah, I can I can understand that point because this is the thing. It's starting to split split uh, the supporters I mean I, I was in the pub after the match um, yesterday and uh, the bloke the bloke said to me next to me said they thought Moyes was going to go I thought he was going to walk out or something but he said I don't want him to and I was like why do you not want him to so he can't just keep sacking managers and it's like and that seems to be this this is a very clever ploy by the club by the way to, it was as soon as he got appointed we're saying right this is a guy this is a guy no matter what happens he's four years this is our guy now until we go bankrupt um, and that's very, that was a very clever point he said we're going to stop sacking managers so now he, we are so so bad um, but he seems to have the safest job in English football even for instance um, Conte at Chelsea he was nearly out on his ass at the beginning of the year because they'd lost about four games, and then they won ten or whatever, the top of the league. But I, I would hazard a guess that David Moyes' job is more secure than Conte's, because this, the board has no appetite to sack this man. Why are they giving him four years? He's absolutely baffling. It shows that it shows faith or whatever, but you can't just be shy and just get rewarded with this thing. And people who do speak out are getting shot down because... You're going against the club. You're not being a proper supporter, and we need to like rally behind. And yet, it can get a bit tiresome, like just pointing out his major, major flaws. But no one has come to me or just expressed any opinion of what what has he done in the past uh, what ten or no, nearly a year or you know, whatever, give or take, when he's been here. What would what has he done to suggest that he could? A, keep us up, which he's not going to do. But why is he the man that is going to rebuild in the championship? And this stupid argument of, oh, well, he did good at Everton. He did all this at Everton. Well, he didn't take Everton down to begin with. And we're talking 2000, what, four, five? The game's moved on. Probably more like two. Probably more like 2002. Well, Well, exactly. The game is so exponentially different now. The amount of money involved just the level of tactics and you have to be clever you can't just go to the championship or league one and buy all these players and hope they're good because mm. the players you buy for 40 pence back in 2002 now cost 12 million quid <laughs> so it's not just about buying these players you have to think of a system a style of football and if, if we, when we do go down he's got he's got about eight nine players out of contracts and then he's got a He's got to not only rebuild this team, but also rebuild this fan base because go the match is not very nice. I mean, Saturday um, was not enjoyable. And he's, what what has he done? What in this past season? What has he done that says to me, "You're the guy who can do it. You okay. you could do this." Exactly. Anything, Nothing. Has he? And it, 
Damo said before, he said interesting words. He said cagey. He's, he's perfect friends, some of his answers in press conferences are cagey. Everything about him is bloody cagey. You know, his his tactics are cagey. He just he seems to be so intent on being safe and picking the safe option or or the, expe- the picking the experienced player instead of the the youthful player, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And his refusal refusal to throw caution to the wind, um, it, it's just it makes the game dull. You know, the, he he needs to be more adventurous he needs he needs to throw caution to the wind you look well, at he sets up the shield by doing it as well doesn't he like, yeah he by does, picking exactly the experience right. over that of that court throwing caution to the wind and you it, and you look at when we when we say for example when we had Roy Keane he was a manager who he he did nothing but throw caution to the wind mm. but you saw the connection between the fans and the and the players and the club and the amount of late goals we scored and you just we just kind of crave something like that i don't get i just don't get any belief I get really frustrated because I get no no belief from him whatsoever. For I don't, me, I, he he strikes me as a man who uh, he's sort of like a journeyman. He, he strikes me as a, someone who could jump from job to job quite happily for the next ten, fifteen, twenty years, never really achieving anything. Yeah, just just on a wage packet. Do you know what I mean? Just doing that, and he's got this. Uh, I think we've said before uh, as well. Like I think, <laughs> yeah. Well, we've been saying it pretty much every week, haven't we? But with regards to his pedigree or his supposed pedigree, his CV, basically, on whether he should have any kind of respect just because of that. Initially, perhaps, I shut down some Man U fans straight away when we signed him because I was thinking, well, you know what, maybe this is... I mean, we all were, weren't we? We were all sitting there thinking, well, he must have had a bad turn at Man U. I mean, they're, they're quite entitled, aren't they? They're expecting a lot, big shoes to fill. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a, this is a good level for him. No, not at all. I think it is a great level for him. I think it's a fantastic opportunity for his bank balance. Do you know what I mean? Particularly, as I say, it all for me, it just reeks of knowing you're going to get relegated, buying for that relegation, not even this season, but the season following it. Do you know what I mean? And, and having this attitude of putting those shields up, saying, oh, well, I picked the experienced players. I picked the players I knew. I picked the players I could get in. Oh, I didn't have much money. My hands were tired. I was promised this. I didn't get it. I'm sick of hearing it, mate. I think we're all sick but of hearing it. But you see, it's, it's this idea, though, that uh, rescuing Everton uh, 14 years ago, or whatever, 15 years ago, um, managing Man United. Managing Man United is not at all relevant to managing Sunderland. I, like, I don't care if you've got Man United on your CV. I honestly don't. Like, People will say, "Oh well, it's a prestigious look. That's a successful, prestigious manager." Dick Advocat won the UEFA Cup. Martin O'Neill has man has got Villa at sixth in the Premier League. So only a couple of years before he took over us. You know, they, these are we've had successful managers who have impressive CVs. And for me, David Moyes managing in Spain, managing Man United, doing this with Everton, and fans would rather look at that and say, "You see, that's proof." Ignore what's going on now. Ignore the calamity of all the decisions he's making and the signings he's, he's, he's making. Ignore that. Look look at the fact that he's a former Man United manager, David Moyes, Everton, Everton builder, David Moyes. And they sneer, a lot of our fans sneer and, and, and look at managers in the championship and say, oh, well, they've never managed in the Premier League. They've never done this. They've never done that. And, they, and they'd rather have someone who's living off a reputation from 15 years ago than someone who's getting on with a job on a budget uh, in the championship and building a club down there, they'd rather say, "Oh well, you know, that's not much." Getting, you know, like I know it's a running joke in this in this chat that I'm like Gary Rowett's agent, but um, you are Gary Rowett. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I Gary Rowett. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a running it is a running joke, and I'll embrace it because, I, to be honest, I think he did a really good job at Burton, did a really good job at, at Birmingham, and he did it on a shoestring. And you know, t- taking a club like Birmingham in the in the situation they were in. And and the budget they've got losing losing some key players and taking them up to the top like the top half of the table, and doing it you know doing that job is not an easy job and it is not for me it's not a job that you just sneer at and dismiss and say but he's but he's not good enough for us and and instead we'll we'll take this guy who's living off past achievements and who's managed at Man United for me I know which which one I'd rather have I'd rather have the young one who's th- forging a career. On a on a smaller budget, building a team and not complaining about it, than having some guy who was saying, "Oh, well, this isn't like it was at Everton. This isn't like it was at Man United." Well, no, it's not. But either work in these conditions and and accept the conditions rather than 
making ridiculous decisions and then saying, oh, well, I had no choice, the conditions were impossible. Mm, you know? same, with, same maybe with, like, uh, Paul Clement at Swansea. Yeah. Did a did a quite a good job at Derby. He got sacked uh, really unfairly, and then they plummeted because they got someone, as as you say, Callum, someone with a past reputation like McLaren, who absolutely bombed out again. And it's like, yeah, yeah there is this kind of snobbery about the uh, the championship. I think that's just in the Premier League in general. You yeah, saw when Marco Silva come in, and it was like, oh, who the hell is this guy? Is this, this guy's going to keep Hull up? Mm. And same with Clement. And it's, yeah, um, and we've got, like, he's a has-been. He's a, he's a clearly, clearly very bitter about what happened at United because that would have um, set him up for life. And when it, when he went to Sociedad, he was, well, from what I've, I've read and what I've heard or listened to, he was very arrogant in the way he uh, he didn't bother to learn, try and learn Spanish. And then instead of surround himself with, you know, like Spanish coaches who know the Spanish game. He went and got people like Billy McKinley in. I mean, I don't know Billy McKinley's nuances of the Spanish game, but I assume that the Spanish coaches know a bit more than Billy McKinley. And then, lo and behold, he was shite at Seville. Uh, sorry, Sociedad. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. It's not, it's not a... I mean, I, I sort of felt for him. As I say, I, I, those were, I've said they were big shoes to fill and when, when you consider that he was supposedly selected by Ferguson arguably the greatest manager of his time of our time um, yeah I can see why he would be bitter but I agree with you I think he does strike me as bitter he strikes me as instantly defensive the moment he walked through the door before he walked through the door he, he might as well have stuck some riot gear on to meet the fans because he looked like we were just going to pelt him with pitchforks and rotten tomatoes and do you know what I mean? Just a big bag of shit because just because he's David Moyes and we're Sunderland. That's that's his his whole attitude is just. But that that preseason friendly though, when he when he just joined and he's like walking out onto the pitch and he's got like and he's mm. looking quite slim and yeah. quite healthy and the sun's shining and he's <laughs> and, you know and, and he's like and he's walking out onto the pitch and he's he's got his fist clenched and the fans are like yes yeah, come on yeah. this is going to be a good yeah come on and, that was uh, a that was a mint moment that i thought yeah, oh my god was, we're going to do this yeah, david boys is going to make his mint yeah it is one of those moments that you thought well actually he looks quite he looks quite up for this oh well cuz I, I i was against his appointment from the beginning but at that moment i i, I didn't i didn't change my mind but i thought well, actually, he looks more up for it than I thought he would. But then his press conference has started, and 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 now he's standing above a, a sign that that says "Keep the faith" as just like a constant reminder that he's doing a terrible job. Like if you if you've got if you've got to have a sign if you've got to have a sign that says "Keep the faith" above your head while you work. <laughs> like for me, for me, that shows that you're doing a pretty shite job. Yeah. Uh, but that's just it's, me, you it's, know. it's like wearing your qualifications yeah. Yeah. on a chain yeah. around your neck. It's like, like David, I'm qualified to do this. Yeah. yeah, David, where are those spreadsheets? The deadline was at, at nine o'clock this morning. Look, just just read the sign. Keep the faith, right? <laughs> I'll have it. Trust him. I'll have it. With, trust me. I did this. I did this 15 years ago. <laughs> just, just, just leave it. Leave it with me. Leave it I with think, me. I think that's, <laughs> that's just everything in a nutshell. We could probably stop the show here with that. Let's shut up. Just to play. It's just to play devil's advocate. Let's let's try and try and think of you know. They look at his excuses, and he when he when he came in, the way Allardyce left, it was it, we were all devastated, weren't we? Because obviously the buzz around the club at the end of last season was 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 massive, and and the way he left was just even though he he got his dream job, I mean we we were just devastated, and just we seem to have so much momentum. I just I just. I fail to understand how you can, instead of building on that momentum, you know, looking at the squad and thinking, right, this is what they did well last season. Let's, you know, continue this, you know, maybe add his own tweaks in there and, and change it over time. But he seemed to come in and just, you know, with a bazooka and just try to change everything really, really quickly, brought in a lot of, a lot of players and, you know, made a lot of excuses you know, it's it's he's an interesting made- point you raised there. It is an interesting point because on on that note, I'm I'm wondering if it's I mean it's a very very uh well not blur yeah blurred line it's a very fine line certainly to to walk isn't it coming in as a manager I mean even if you forget 
whatever CV you've got, which you'll obviously use personally to psych yourself up, because he's human. Do you know what I mean? He'll be, he'll be nervous about the job, and he'll be nervous about walking into the dressing room. Of course he will. Room. Do you know what I mean? So it's a, it's a fine line. So you go in there, and you've got all these lads, some of whom have been, well, they're hard nuts, you know what I mean? Some of them are, are young lads, some of them are taking the piss, some of them need help, some of them don't think you're anything... You know what I mean? They don't think you're worth shit on their shoe. They, that's just a it's a it's a melting pot of of people. That's it's bound to happen. So it's it's also relevant to think or relevant to say that charisma and those and yeah certainly charisma mainly those overriding uh, the capacity we have the way we talk to people persuasion. Do you know what I mean? Having an effect an aura even if you if you want to be dramatic about it. Having an aura when you go into a room, it's important. It's important going into the dressing room for the first time. I mean, you must have all this baggage behind you. So what do you do? Do you go in and do you put your foot down straight away? Do you know what I mean? Is it like with a dog or with a, a school classroom? Do you know what I mean? Do you go in there and do you, yeah. you show that you're going to rule with an iron fist or you're going to rule with a gentle hand? So is, it, is that the way it's going to be? So I, I can understand where he could go wrong so easily. I mean, first impressions in the dressing room of a Premier League football club must be worth so much more than they are in the outside yeah, world. Ma- massively. And you talk about aura, and then you, I, I know I, I hate to hark back to Roy Keane, but can you imagine the aura that man walked in with? Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, so he everyone would, he around the club would Straight just, away, uh, be like, I remember, you stop doing that, you stop doing that. He wouldn't yeah. have had to do that, because automatically uh, he, he commands respect, doesn't he? Yeah, everyone would have been like, fucking hell, that's Roy Keane, you mm. know? I mean, I remember Jack Colback came out with something just saying... You know, I mean, the players were were terrified not to perform because you know, they, I mean, this this guy just had that aura and that that class about him. And, you know, and I think he said something about you know a lot of the players were like laughing and joking. And Roy Keane will enters the room, and it's just you know if he fills the room, his personality. Mm-hmm. And you think right, well, he's the boss. We're gonna we're gonna get on here. And I just can't see David Moyes walking into a room with a bunch of twenty something lads or you know early thirties lads. You know, professional footballs and respect instantly. In keeping with what I was saying about like a, a, an analogy of school children and it being a school classroom, he strikes me as the sort of, you know what I mean, the, the substitute teacher who's come in and he's concerned that he's going to get a lot of stick. So instantly, just you know, he's an arsehole. You're never going to have a rapport with him. You're never going to get along with him. He's come in and he's shown that he's here to protect his job and to protect himself. Which is that's it, why he brought in all these. Shine exactly, mate. and then he yeah he brings in all of his own. He brings in all of his he's boys. Like, to oh, back here's Stephen Pina. He's going to talk. <laughs> oh, I, I wonder. I'm wondering now if Catamol's even still injured. I bet you he's been faking this the entire time. It's just like I'm not going into that dressing room. I'm not sitting there listening to that shite. I can imagine it. I can absolutely imagine it, which is a real shame because we could use. Them. Yeah, I mean the the thing is though, I I've no doubt that it's a difficult job. You know, like keeping. That many, like keeping such big personalities and you know, uh, some in, a lot of inflated egos in check at the same time, and you know, making sure they're all or most of them are, are happy. It's it's a difficult job. There's no doubt about it. But at the same time, he's, football managers are very well remunerated at the top of their game for for this job. There's a you know, it's it's not an easy job, but it's also not a job that you that you can say that they're not well paid for. So I, I think. Um, you know, if he's if he's not got the personality for it, if he's not got the charisma for it, then that's just that's just tough. It's a ruthless business. You know, mm. there's no friend, there's no friends in football. A lot of a lot of former fresh, former professionals have said that. They've said, you know, there's only acquaintances in football. Mm. And so, if he's not, I mean, from my point of view, the way I look at the team um, and and how they play on the pitch, I just think they look. Like they're not being like like they don't really know how they're meant to play, how they're meant to attack. Um, they don't know uh, their jobs particularly well. You know, you look at the difference between us and Burnley. Burnley's players are what you would call uh, an inexpensively assembled group of of players who have had to really fight to get to this level. You know, they, they are they are they are here by the virtue of their own hard work. And and if you look at um, if you look at the way that they played yesterday, they weren't spectacular. They, they they broke the game up, but they knew their jobs and they didn't look like they were going to really make a mistake because they were so well drilled. And and that's just the polar opposite. And I think after this much time, has he had enough time to impose a little bit of discipline, a little bit of identity, organization, a little bit of confidence in the players to sort of go out 
and play a certain way and and not give away cheap possession in the in their own final third and and to make slack passes i i would say so but you know i i suppose some people's expectations are just lower because they feel that he's been dealt a tough hand i don't think it's the easiest hand to have been dealt but i also don't think it's it's as bad a hand as to justify the performances uh and and the sort of the 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 lethargy that we've that we've seen and uh, you know so uh, for me if he's not good enough he's not good enough it it it, it doesn't really make a difference for, for me uh, how long he's you know people say no he hasn't had four years it you know, he, for, for me, he should have had an impact by now, and and the fact yeah. that he hasn't is quite damning. I mean, do you think? He, obviously, he's been he's, he wants to build. He wants to build something. The, how much of a, how did how many of a backroom staff did he bring in? I mean, the fact that Bracewell's still there and Stockdale's still there. I mean, I would have thought he would have had someone he wanted to bring in to help get his he, message he not, across, and you know. Yeah. Did he not like, try and bring? Is it still round? Oh, um, right. I, I can't remember who it is. It was uh, someone he tried to bring. I don't think he did. Not Steve Round. Like why? Yeah, was, why is what, Paul the, Bracewell seems to be so untouchable? <laughs> he seems just as miserable at times. But he's been, you know, like I don't. I'd, I'd like to have seen him. If you know, if because if, he's been, it's been a while since Everton, and you know, he's he's he's, a, he's almost of a different footballing era now. It would have been nice to have seen him bring in someone young alongside him. You know, someone younger, younger and more dynamic to kind of work alongside him to get closer to the players. Yeah, I but thought just... Stockdale was going to be that. that mm. What's Paul Bracewell do? <laughs> Seriously, what does he do apart from miserable shower? <laughs> Sits and look like your dad all game. <laughs> well, this is it. I mean, I mean, yeah, fair enough. We we've stuck enough of an axe in Moyes for today. Although, arguably, we could keep doing it. We could talk about this forever. But <laughs> talking about who's to blame, I mean, the buck does have to stop somewhere else. Ultimately, doesn't it? Now. Those seats that Ellis Short and his missus were sitting on looked mighty comfortable, didn't they? Because she managed to <laughs> nod off in the middle of the, the sunlight. Now. <laughs> now, this I, I don't know if she was there. Well, I say I don't know. I, I know for a fact why Ellis Short was there and why he brought his missus. They were there to show some sort of solidarity. Do you know what I mean? Oh, we're here. Keep the faith. Unity is strength and all that crap. I'm positive that's why it was because it damn well wasn't to sack short, uh, to sack Moyes, sorry, which is what we were all hoping for. That was the buzz, like, oh, short's come to watch it. Oh, and Peter Reed's there and he's talking to Kevin Ball. Uh, are they're going to sack Moyes. Do you know how desperate are we that that's what's going through our heads? Do you know what I mean? This this crazy conspiracy whereby Peter Reed and Kevin Ball are just like, you know what? We've had a word with short and we're going to save the day. No, um, yeah. So talking about Ellis Short, which we will do more next week more in-depth about Ellis Short. Is it fair to say that uh, now, after all this time, that he, he he's just as much responsible as any player, any manager, or or any bad beat we've taken as a team? What would you make of that, Callum? Uh, absolutely. He bears a significant uh, role in, and responsibility for, um, for, for what's been going on these last few years. Um, He's, he's surrounded himself with with people um, and, and delegated responsibility to people who have made bad choices, uh, who have who have advised him incorrectly. Um, I I think that um, to an extent, you know, he he has in a way admitted that he is not uh, the um, fount of knowledge on on football. And and I know Roy Keane's made some accusations in the past about him trying to, you know, get a bit too involved and all that sort of stuff. But from what I've heard and, and seen, managers have been pretty autonomous and, and other managers haven't really complained about him interfering. Um, and like I said, he has delegated responsibility to people and they've, they've really let him down as well um, in the way that they've managed the club and obviously the, all the changes have, have, uh, have led us to a position where he's put a lot of money in but hasn't really got a return and he's probably... Uh, just as as irritated as a, as a lot of fans are for having uh, seen what his money's got him, um, but I think obviously if you if you are the guy who is at the top of the football club and you are the guy who's hiring the people who are making such a mess, then ultimately you have to shoulder a responsibility. And if the club is in the financial state it is, he is that he is the you know he is the owner. He has been the chairman uh, for a few years now. Um, he is he is ultimately the guy who, who has to look at the finances and think, well, do you know what? 
I'm resp- I'm as responsible for this as as anyone. So uh, absolutely, I mean, my point has never been that it is just David Moyes that's wrong, and if we got rid of him, everything would be fine. My point is that uh, I think David Moyes escapes quite a lot of criticism that's due his way, um, and and there's pl- yeah, and there's plenty blame to go around. Um, well, I mean, what you just said about sure, um, I can't agree with the. Um, I mean, you you as you say, you're just speculating as to how he feels. Yes. Like, with regards to uh, whether he's sitting there and thinking, oh, oh, he's not making any money. Do you know what I mean? Is is, is the does he sort of suffer as a result of a, a lack of return on his investment? For me. I'm not going to feel sorry for some rich kid who doesn't know how to play with his toys properly and breaks them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's how I feel. Oh, no, I understand, yeah. Because this guy's a a multi-billionaire, and it doesn't mean anything to him. I mean, we've already, again, we'll touch on this next week, we've already discussed it before, that there is the loan, there's a massive amount of of money that we actually owe Ellis Shaw. He's taken out large loans, but he also owns... (laughs) <laughs> multiple different companies and some of those loans are from some of those companies from what we can what we can see um, and a lot of that money is due back to him so with regards to whether or not we should back him I mean I, I personally don't like that view anyway that Ellis Short sunk money into the club and we should be grateful for that no I, it's that's not my problem it's got nothing to do with kindness or any kind of connection to the club or the fans the city it's nothing to do with that. Everything that he does is business motivated. He's not a footballing man. He doesn't understand football managers. He doesn't understand football players. Um, he, he doesn't seem to, he certainly hasn't. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to blame him entirely for Sunderland not being the most touristy <laughs> hotspot in the world or, or a, a global location of culture or marketing or anything like that. But certainly we are, our, our market marketability hasn't really skyrocketed. Do you know what I mean? There's no plan. It's whether if he was just to me, it strikes me that he bought a club because he could. Do you know what I mean? And Sunderland must have been on the lower scale of that of the amount of money you'd have to pay for a club. And yeah, to the right investor, Sunderland is a great club. It's a fantastic opportunity, really. To the right investor, I don't think he is the right investor. But beyond that, he's in a bit. I mean, we saw it before when he when when Moyes. Uh, was brought in and that comment that he made uh, whether it was a scathing in passing particularly to Sam Allardyce whether it was just a shot from the bow for that you know what I mean like a parting message of oh well he's the manager I've wanted for the last five appointments well to me that just that just tells me that you haven't got a fucking clue what you're doing so what you've yeah. it's taken you five times to get this right over, over this amount of time it's yeah. taken you five attempts to get to the point where you want you've got the man that you want and then now got it wrong uh, yeah it turns out <laughs> he's not the man that anybody wants we're desperate no, to get rid of him I think he was really I think I think that was just like kind of just he was really pissed off that he'd lost Allardyce I don't think that had been an issue had Allardyce uh, not got the England job would have not been I think it's just one of those when you get dumped and you want to send like something really spiteful it's yeah, like yeah well me, you know me, 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 you missus is much better than you yeah, or whatever it was one in the eye for Allardyce that was all it was <laughs> oh yeah I want to just uh, quickly defend uh, Mrs Ellis Shaw who uh, was seen uh, having a bit of a kip at the match I mean I don't know if you uh, you partake in a lot of pre-match drinking uh, as I do from time to time but sometimes that first half was pretty boring <laughs> and those went? those seats are quite nice and you know you know you get a bit tired you've had a bit of scram before the match so yeah I can't really blame her on that film fair enough I mean she she was probably confident that she could have nodded off for like a good 20-30 minutes and nothing would happen oh yeah <laughs> and she's proven she proved herself right really um, yeah well as I say, I, I don't want to stay. I don't want to stay too long on short. But what would you make of his uh, contributions to the club? Ultimately, what what do you feel that he's brought to us, James, as our overlord? <laughs> overlord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's be honest. If we try and look at it objectively, I think he he's, he has tried to do the right things. I think at times he's, he's. I mean, he's made a hell of a lot of wrong decisions. But I do think. You know, he probably has had the best wishes of the club at heart. You know, especially during the the, the start of his tenure. Um, I think the fact that he's not surrounded himself by um, footballing people on the board is a massive mistake. I think as soon as Nal Quinn left, I think um, we lost a, a really vital link between you know the pitch and the boardroom. Um, I think the fact that he hasn't surrounded himself by football people 
it kind of shows when he's, he's tried multiple approaches. I mean, we had this like, Udinese model that went tits up and then we brought in Congerton and we had a whole new director of football model and that went tits up. Um, and it just, it does stem as someone who has almost read a book on how a football club should run and said, Oh, let's, let's try their approach. Oh shit, that's not worked. Oh, well, let's try their approach. Oh shit, that's not worked. Rather than, you know, finding our own approach and our own, ethic and our and our, our own way of of building a club um i mean he has a duty of care as the owner of this football club and i think he's neglected that in the last say 12 months um i think before then he's put a lot of money in and i think he you know he we we could have had worse owners i, I think he's i think he's massively to blame at the moment um i'd like to know how much how much money he did offer you know Moyes in the summer and in january because he must know, as I said, he has a duty of care, and he must know that without spending money in the transfer window, we're going to go down. And he, and he, he clearly didn't make enough available. Mm. Uh, I mean, it, shit rolls down the hill, doesn't it? So he's at the top. Um, the, the book has to stop with him. Moyes, Moyes has been a bit of a disaster, but you know, I, I do as think you say, it rolls downhill. So exactly whether right. the book stops with him or not, it doesn't really, does it? Because at the end, he'll get to walk away and. It'll just be some hazy memory to him. Oh well, in the in the end, in the end, they'll all get to walk away. You know, the, mm. the Moyes will get to most, walk away. It's only us. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're left here to die. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, we'll we'll get to we'll get to um, sit and and continue to watch and 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 people who have have ultimately um, you know not not achieved what they probably should have done for the uh, for the club uh, get to walk away and and. Um, you know that's that's football, really. You know we've had footballers and managers who've been here not done as well as they should, and then and then they go and they get other jobs, they get other clubs, they 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 get jobs in the media, they they do very nicely, and and um and that's that's uh, that's football nowadays. Um, and and you know as I said, I I, I echo what what um what Jim said that I I think um. He he seems to um, have an affection for the club that a lot of chairmen maybe don't have. He seems to um, he seems to genuinely kind of, uh, especially uh, you know in, in earlier days, um, to kind of have that passion. I mean, you know, when he when we stayed up at Arsenal, for example, and he was in the stands, he you know obviously people will say there's a there's you know that's the financial side of it. He's happy because we're staying in the Premier League and all that sort of stuff, but. You see, if you've heard a few, I've heard a few stories. You hear, you hear a few things that that he's 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 genuinely kind of invested in the idea of Sunderland Football Club and and what that means on a on an emotional kind of pure level. Um, obviously, it's 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 bound to be tainted by by involvement in 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 an interest in the uh, the ultimate financial um, prosperity of the club. So. Yes, I agree. Um, I don't. I don't feel sorry. I don't lose sleep at night um, worrying about him. But um, but I I think that uh, that he's ultimately made a few decisions um, of who to trust, who to allow to rebuild, um, and and they've they've not uh, repaid his his trust. Um, and he's also made and and because he's hired those people, obviously that was the incorrect decision, and and so he's got to shoulder the blame for that too. So, um, Christ so, Almighty, yeah. man! I'd hate to have you as a parent telling me off. Do you know what I mean? Like, ultimately, <laughs> you know, you've done wrong. So I'm not going to punish you now. I'm not going to tell you off too much, but you know, you sit in the corner and think about what you've done, little Ellis. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Okay, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. But you have shattered my favourite toy. So. Right, fair enough. Well, that's all we've got time for. Um, join us again next week. Thanks for joining us now. Uh, as I say, next week we'll have a bit of a bumper show again uh, during the international break, and that'll give us all a little bit more time to breathe and worry. And although we won't be losing sleep over Ellis Short, the owner, we will be continuing to lose sleep over whether or not his club can do anything, whether we can go any further than that. So, yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, don't forget you can subscribe on iTunes and the ACAST app. Uh, this is the Roker Report signing off. Thank you. 
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 